Chapter 52 of Marie Annerle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Aisha 17 Marie Annerle by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Chapter 52 The Scarf. Jordis, without suspicion of persuade, had allowed no grass to grow under the feet of Marmaduke on the homeward way. His orders were to use all speed to do as he had done at the lawyer's private door, and then, without baiting his horse, to drive back, reserving the nose bag of very humpy halting place. There is no such man at the present time of day to carry out strict orders as the dogman was and the chance of their being such a one again diminishes by very rapid process. Marmaduke as a horse was of equal quality, reasoning not about his orders but about the way to do them. There were no special emergency now, so far as my lady Philippa knew, but the manner of her mind was to leave no space between a resolution and its execution. This is the way to go up in the world or else to go down abruptly, and to her the latter would have been far better than to halt between two opinions. Her plan had been shaped and set last night, and like all great ideas was the simplest of the simple. And Jordis, who had inklings of its own, though never admitted to confidence, knew how to carry out the outer part. When the taboo comes, she said to Weldrum, as soon as her long sight showed her the trusty tortoise beginning the home accent, it is to be taken first out of the car and to my sister's sitting room. The other things tortoise will see too. I may be going for a little walk, but you will at once carry up the turbo. Mrs. Carnaby's appetite is delicate. The butler had his own opinion upon the interesting subject, but in her presence it must be his own. Any attempt at enlargement of her mind by exchange of sentiment, such as Mrs. Carnaby permitted and enjoyed, would have sent him flying down the hill. Pursued by square-toed men, prepared to add elasticity to velocity. Therefore, Welter made a leg in silence and retreated. While his mistress prepared for her intended exploit, she had her beaver hat and mantle ready by the shrubbery door as a little quiet posture of her own was called and in the heavy standing desk or secretary of her private room she had stored a flat basket or frail of stout flags with a heavy clock weight inside it much better to drown the wretched thing than burn it she had been saying to herself especially at this time of year when fires are weak and tell-tale and parchment makes such a nasty smell Eliza might come in and suspect it, but the scarf is a trusty confidant. Mistress Yordas, while sure that her sister, having even more than herself at stake, would approve and even applaud her scheme, was equally sure that it must be kept from her for both its own sake and for hers, and the sooner it was done, the less the chance of disturbing poor Eliza's mind. The scarf is a deep pool supposed to have no bottom except, perhaps, in the very bowels of the earth. Upon one of the wildest headwaters of the trees, 
a strong mountain torrent from a desolate raving springs forth with great ferocity and sooner than put up with any more stabs from the rugged earth cast itself on air for a hundred and twenty feet the water is bright in the novelty and the power of itself striking out freaks of eccentric flashes and even little sun bows in fine weather but the triumph is brief and a heavy retribution created by its violence awaits below from the tossing turmoil of the fall two wide volumes roll away with a clash of waves between them and sweeping round the craggy basin meet like a snowy wreath below and rush back in coiling eddies flaked with foam all the middle is dark deep water looking on the watch for something to suck down what better duty or more pious could a hole like this perform than that of swallowing up a lawyer or if no such morsel offered than at least a lawyer's deeds many a sheep had been there engulfed and never saluted by her lambs again and although a lawyer by no means is a sheep except in his clothing and his eyes perhaps yet his doings appear upon the skin thereof and enhance its value more than drugs of tire and it is to be feared that some pleased clients will not feel the horror which they ought to feel at the mod pursued by mistress yorders in the delivery of her act and deed she came down the dell from the private ground of scargate with a resolute face and a step of strength the clock weighed that should know time no more as well embossed in the old deed pole and all stretched firmly in the tough brown trail whose candles would help for a long strong cast towering crags and a ridge of jagged scores shut down the sunset while a thicket of dwarf oak and a never absent bramble aproned the yellow dugs of shale with brown in the middle was the cauldron of the torrent called the scar the sheer trap rock which is green in the sunlight like black night flung around it while a snowy wreath of mist like foam exhaling circling round the basin steep or poured over the chasm miss yordis had very staunch nerves but still for reasons of her own she disliked this place and never came near it for pleasure's sake although in dry summers when the springs were low the fury of scene passed into grandeur and even beauty but a yordis long ago gone to answer for it had flung a man who plagued him with the law into this hole and what was more disheartening although of less importance a favorite maid of this lady upon the exile of her sweetheart leading that his feet were upside down to hers and this and that this hole went right through the earth had jumped into it in a lonely moment instead of taking lessons in geography philippa yordas was as brave as need be but now her heart began to creep as coldly as the shadows crept for now she was out of sight of home and out of hearing of any sound except the roaring of the force the hall was half a mile away behind a shoulder of thick ribbed hill and it took no sight of this torrent until it came a quiet river by the downward road i must be getting cold miss yordus thought or else this path is much rougher than it used to be why it seems to be getting quite dangerous it is too bad of yordus not to see to things better my father used to ride this way sometimes but now how could our horse get along here now there used to be a brittle road from the ground of skagi to a ford below the force and northward thence toward the tees or by keeping downstream and then fording it again might hit upon the middleton road near the rock that warned the public of the bloodhounds this brittle road kept a great distance from the cliffs overhanging the perilous scar 
and the only way down to a view of the fall was a scrambling track over rocks and trunks unworthy to be called a path. The lady with the bag had no choice left but to follow this track or else abandon her intention. For a moment, she was sorry that she had not been satisfied with some less troublesome destruction of her foe, even at the risk of chance suspicions. But having thus begun, it she would not turn back and be angry with her idle fears when she came to think of them. With hereditary scorn of second thought, she cast away doubt and went down the steep and stood on the brow of sheer rock to recover her breath and strength for a long bold cast. The creek beneath her feet was trembling with the power of flood below, and the white mist from the deep moved slowly, shrouding now, and now revealing the black gulf and its slippery walls for the last few months. Miss Yorus had taken very little exercise and seldom tasted the open air, therefore the tumult and the terror of the place the fading of the sky and darkening of the earth get got hold of her more than they should have done with the frail in her right hand poised upon three fingers the fourth had been broken in her childhood she planted the sole of her left foot on the brink and swung herself for the needful cast a strong throw was needful to reach the black water that never gave up anything if the bag were dropped in the foaming race it might be carried back to the heel of the fall she was proud of her bodily strength, which was almost equal to that of a muscular man, and her long arms swelled with the vigour of the throw. But just when the weight should have been delivered and flown with a hiss into the bottomless abyss, a loose flag of the handle twisted on a broken finger. Instead of being freed, the fall fell back and struck her in the chest and threw her back for the clock weight was heavy one. Her balance was lost, her feet flew up and she fell upon her back, and the smooth beaver clock began sliding upon the slippery rock. Horrible death was pulling at her. Not a stick nor a stone was in reach of her hands, and the pitiless cracks echoed one long shriek above all the roar of waterfall. She strove to turn over and grasp the ground, but only felt herself going faster. Her bright boots were flashing against the white mist, a picture in her mind forever. Her body was following inch by inch. With elbow and shoulder and even hair coiled, she strove to prolong the descent into death but the descent increased its speed and the sky itself was sliding just when the balance was inclining downward and the plunge hanging on her hair's breadth powerful hands fell upon her shoulder a grating of a drag against the grain was the last thing she was conscious of and sir duncan yordas having made a strong pull at the imminent risk of his life threw back his weight on the heels of his boots and they helped him his long indian spurs which had no rubber held their hold like a falcon's hind talon, and he drew back the lady without knowing who she was, having leaped from his horse at her despairing scream. From his knowledge of the place, he concluded that it was some person seeking suicide, but recoiling from the sight of death, and without another thought, he risked his life to save. Breathless himself, for the transit of ears and of curry powder had not improved his lungs, he laboured at the helpless form and laid it at last in a place of safety what a weight the lady is was his first idea it cannot be want of food that has driven her nor of money either her clock would fetch a thousand rupees in calcutta and a bag full of something precious also to judge by the way she clings to it poor thing can i get any water for her there used to be a spring here where the woodcocks came is it safe to leave her certainly not with her head like that she might even have a pop with sea allow me madam i will not steal it it is only for a cushion the lady, however, though still in a stupor, kept her fingers clenched upon the handle of the bag, and without using violence, he could not move them. Then the stitching of the frail gave 
way and sir duncan spied a roll of parchment suddenly the lady opened large dark eyes which wandered a little and then as he raised her head met his and turned away philippa he said and she faintly answered yes being humbled and shaken by her deadly terror and scarcely sure of safety yet for the roar and the chasm were in sight and hearing still philippa are you better never mind what you were thinking of all shall be right about that philippa what is land in comparison with life look up at me don't be afraid to look surely you know your only brother i am duncan who ran away and has lived for years in india i used to be very kind to you when we were children and why should i alter from it now i remember when you tumbled in the path down there and your knee was bleeding i tied it out with a dog leash and my handkerchief can you remember it was primrose time to be sure i do she said looking up with cheerfulness and you carried me all the way home almost and eliza was dreadfully jealous that she always was i knew not much better but now we are getting on in life and we need not have much to do with one another still we may try not to kill one another by trumpery squabbles about property stay where you are for a moment sister you shall see the end of that sir duncan took the bag with the deed inside it returned in three steps to the brilliant shelf and with one strong hurt sent forth the low which cleft the white mist and sank forever in the waves of whirlpool no one can prosecute me for that he said returning with a smile though murdax may be much aggrieved now philippa although i cannot carry you well from the editions time has made to you i can help you home my dear and then on upon my business the pride and self-esteem of miss yordals had never been so crushed before she put both hands upon her brother's shoulders and burst into a flood of tears End of chapter 52 Scarf Recording by Aisha 17